Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. Well, we made it through another IndyCar NASCAR Super Weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We had the Indy cars on Saturday. We had the NASCAR race on Sunday. It was a lot of fun. B Scott was there. Don't uh, sleep on the Xfinity guys either on Saturday. That they put on quite a good show. AJ Allmendinger looked really good in that race. That, I mean, everybody looked good in there, that race. That was a fun one. That was another fun one. Yeah, I will say um, I did. Wa- I didn't watch a whole lot of the xfinity race um i did get a little bit of a glimpse of it when i was at the gym on saturday um but uh but yeah so i mean and i and again we'll get to it a little bit later you know the nascar's you know racing on the road course is always a lot of fun um and it, it was just a fun weekend so we're here to wrap it all up uh we're gonna break down each race and then kind of give our perspective on the way the rest of um the season should play out for each sport so it's going to be a lot of fun but b scott how was it this weekend how was it being there at the track you know it was a lot of fun it was interesting to see how like the the fan attendance for both days (coughs) um it was pretty crowded it was a good crowd for the indycar race um and then it cleared out fairly quickly after that race (laughs) before the xfinity race but you know, I don't. I'm not. I don't usually watch the Xfinity series like all the time. But you know, if I one, it's racing. Let's be honest. Come on, it doesn't matter. And it was a lot of NASCAR guys that were racing in that Xfinity race. And it's a part of your ticket. Why would you leave? I don't know. I don't get it. But it was a great race. AJ Allmendinger won that race. Alex Bowman looked phenomenal in the Hendrick car. Um, Unfortunately, he couldn't carry that performance over to Sunday, but it was interesting because it became a real big pit battle. AJ Allmendinger's crew just couldn't get him out real quick. Alex Bowman kept beating him out, but my buddy noticed, he goes, wait a second, the guys doing the pit stop for Alex Bowman are his cup car guys. So it's like the varsity pit crew (laughs) versus the JV squad. It's like, okay. Now it makes sense why AJ Allmendinger's crew is not getting him out so quickly because it's like, geez, Allmendinger's having some pretty quick stops. How is he not maintaining his lead on pit road? It's like, oh, got it. See it. <laughs> totally understandable. But hey, you know, it was a great weekend. Perfect weather. Perfect weather for racing. Some cloud cover every now and again, a good breeze, you know, cooler full of ice cold bush lights. I mean, not much more you could ask for. No, not at all. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it here. We're going to first start with the IndyCar guys. We'll go, uh, you know, in chronological order here as far as races go. Um, so for the IndyCar race on uh, Saturday, uh, first of all, did not start. The weekend was fun for you, B-Scott, but did not start out well as far yeah. as your picks go. <laughs> Neither of our picks for either race really panned out a whole lot, uh, but Pato Award, B. Scott's pick to win uh, spins on the opening lap. My dark horse, Simon Pagano, he ran out of fuel on lap 36. That was some of the highlights early on. Lap 42, Colton Herta has a mechanical failure. Um, so that was uh, bad. He was going to win that race at, in, up until that point. Right. I mean, and he won the GP in May as well. So it's a strong candidate, a guy who needed a good finish, uh, you know, to kind of 
you know, uh, get back into things here. Uh, That turns the lead over to Alexander Rossi and Rossi just never really looked back. He leads the rest of the way. He was a strong, strong car all weekend. Right. And I mean, he was one, he was another driver that was up there during the GP. He had, he's had some stronger races uh, since Indy. I know he did well at Detroit uh, road America. I don't think he ended up doing well at road America, but he was up there. Um, So yeah, Alexander Rossi never looks back. He leads the rest of the way to earn his first win since 2019. He led that's 40. That's unreal. It's it's crazy to think about uh, because, I mean, this is a guy who in the early days of the podcast, like we would talk about championship contender. You know, he's a guy that's up there mixing it up for the, the championship title. Uh, and he just, you know, hasn't had a great last few years. We'll get to that a little bit here in a minute. Um, but uh, he leads 44 lap totals, laps total. He ends a 49 race winless streak. Uh, joins Scott Dixon, Will Power, and Simon Pagano as drivers who have won on the Indy, who on who have won the Indy 500, and a race on the IMS Road Course uh, in the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, Christian Lungard, a great run for him. He finishes second. Unbelievable run for him. Yeah, a name I didn't expect to see up there. I, I, well, it I was. It was interesting watching qualifying. He he got up there, and even the commentators were like, "Hey, that's a great run for Christian Lundgaard for him to be able to stop, stop, start up there that high." You know, hopefully he can capitalize on that. Man, did he capitalize on that? Yeah, because we've seen some rookies here as of late, like have good qualifying runs, be up there, and then uh, once the race starts, they kind of fade. So a good run for him. Will Power is third. Scott McLaughlin is fourth. Uh, and Joseph Newgarden rounds out the top five. So all Penske drivers after the top two there, that's pretty nuts. Um, so yeah, a great uh, run this weekend for the IndyCar series as they wrap up their second race in the IMS road course. And we'll do kind of the same thing we did uh, for the races in May, which is, you know, one word to describe Alexander Rossi's win uh, for me. That's, re- it's, it's an easy one, but that's, it's relief. Uh, I mean, he said it himself in the post-race interview. He's your 2016 Indy 500 winner. He won a career-high three races in 2018, eight podium finishes, 10 top fives, finishes second in points. He follows that up in 2019 with two wins, Long Beach and Road America. He had seven podiums, 11 top fives, uh, finishes third in the points. And then from 2020 till this weekend, no wins, eight podiums, 11 top fives. Not really. Not only... Not as if, I mean, he's had a few races where he's been in contention to win, but it's not like it's really been super close a lot of the times. I mean, not great finishes at all. Um, he's currently 11th in the point standings. Uh, you know, Rossi's set to move to Aero McLaren in 2023, and no matter what series he races in, if he had gone into it without a win in three years, I mean, that's going to be tough. And that was going to be a huge weight still kind of hanging over him if he's like, you know, yeah, moving to a new team. We're all excited. Let's see what happens. And I, but I still haven't got a win since 2019. So he finally gets that win, get a little bit of momentum, um, you know, to get that winless streak over and done with and come to the next chapter of your career with some, you know, good spirit, some good vibes going. I mean, that's got to be a huge weight lifted. So Alexander Rossi can breathe a little bit easier. He's got that, you know, first win back on the schedule. The winless streak is over and he's, uh, he's back celebrating an IndyCar win. So I'm trying to think, how would I describe this race or Alexander Rossi's win in one word? I'm going to, I'm going to put my word as changing, but it's kind of more of a, it's game changing. 
This is a this win is an absolute game changer for Alexander Rossi. It's going to help him get his swagger back. Not like Alexander Rossi has a lot of swagger, anyways. I mean, look, the guy got out of the car and was like, "Yeah, I won." Woo! I mean, he <laughs> has like zero emotion most of the time. So, but it like somebody said, it was, it looked like that team that we've seen in the past, like prior to uh, 2019, where you know everybody was firing on all cylinders for that team. Um, so I think it was a game changer for him for sure, especially going into his next move with Aaron McLaren. Um, if he is an IndyCar, I, I don't know. They haven't said anything, <clears throat> but I am assuming IndyCar. Um, I think it really helps build, start to build some momentum. If he can build on this race, now that he has that swagger back on the track, that he's got that monkey off his back. So now he can go just race and not have to worry about it. Um, I think you could see him carry some strong momentum into next year and then being with Aaron McLaren, see him really take off um, again and being a title contender. So I think this is the win that needed to happen. And, and it happened in a place that, you know, is, is special to just about anybody. Um, So I think that that really, this could really flip the script for him heading into the final four races of this year and into next year as well. Yeah. I I can't imagine like the mental hurdle you would have to do because in that time where, you know, he's had that winless streak, I mean, Andretti Autosport as a team has kind of fallen a little bit from the premier teams. And you kind of think like, okay, like, so let's say this win doesn't happen. He goes into next year. He's on a, you know, 53 race winless streak. And you think like, okay, well, he's going to be in better equipment. Aaron McLaren's like, uh, you know, kind of going from a up and coming team to now being one of those uh, staple teams that you expect to see up at the front but you kind of get in your head a little bit and you're like, does it really, does it really matter? I I've been with Andretti Autosport the last three years and or last however many years. And, um, I, we haven't been, I haven't been winning. Is it, was it I, me or I, was I it the think, team? And so I think it would have been okay still. Well, I mean, again, I, we're talking about, like you said, he <laughs> doesn't really carry his emotions that much. Right. So I wouldn't let it get in his way. But, but at the same time, he's also very logical and he's also a very smart individual. I don't think, I think, one of the reasons he's leaving Andretti is because he's seeing the fall off yeah. of Andretti. And, you know, he, I mean, I think if, yeah, there is a part of you that it kind of gets the yips a little bit. Like, uh, man, I, I, I'm a good race car driver. It really shouldn't matter fully my equipment. I can, I should be able to get the most out of this car and at least be up there contending, but I haven't. So yeah, there, there could be like a mental factor there to overcome. And now that you don't have, now that you got that monkey off your back, you don't have to worry about that. So that I think that does help. But I still think going, if he hadn't won this race going into next year, he's one of those guys that can kind of, you know, clean slate, let's go start fresh. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, looking at uh, some of the other performances from this race, we also want to give a uh, standout performance uh, for me. Uh, that's Scott McLaughlin. I documented his struggles on the IMS road course, uh, you know, last week. 
Uh, he has finishes of eighth, 23rd and 20th in three starts. He started 15th. So nothing really to write home about, you know, through the first little stage of the weekend, but he leads 10 laps. He ends up finishing fourth. He has his best finish on the Indy road course. I mean, all those, all the Penske drivers, I mean, they had about, you know, we've mentioned it a few times, uh, you know, through the course of, uh, you know, this weekend and, and during may have how bad of a run, uh, Penske had had there for, uh, for the month of May. And they've really turned it around. And like I said, all three Penske drivers finishing in the top five. So Scott McLaughlin, uh, hadn't run well on the IMS road course up to that point and finally comes away with a, a strong performance. So coming from 15th, finishing fourth, uh, that's, that's gotta feel good if you're Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you have seen him turn that corner this year, obviously two wins on the season. I expect him to be like fully contending for a championship here in the next year, at least. Um, <clears throat> for me, I've already mentioned him once, but Christian Lundgaard, I mean, there hasn't really been a rookie that's stepped up this year that's really shown out really well. But uh, Christian Lundgaard, I think, you know, this was a performance that I hope that he can build on moving forward. And if he can, that really sets up his future really well as well. But for him to come out there and he's up there scrapping around with, you know, Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta, Will Power, all, all the big guns. And he, he didn't back down. He raced them all hard. He, I mean, he had the speed to keep up with them. And I, that was an outstanding performance. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's one he's never going to forget as well. So good for him. Build off of that and uh, see where the, this, this, this podium can take you. So looking at the point standings coming away from uh, this race here at Indy, the point standings looks as follows. Will Power is on top. Marcus Erickson is now nine points back in second. Joseph Newgarden is third, 32 points back. Scott Dixon is fourth behind by 38, po 38 points. And Pato Award rounds out the top five, 46 back of Will Power. So uh, looking at a storyline coming out of Indy as we now focus towards Nashville and the remainder of the IndyCar season, um, what are some big storylines? Um, you know, I think one big one has to be, uh, is this Will Powers year? And I know like of all the conversations we've had, you know, about Marcus Erickson, Scott McLaughlin had a good, great start. Jeff, Joseph Newgarden led for a while, you know, Will Powers kind of been, we haven't really spoken a whole lot about him except for, you know, I guess we have kind of because the two times we we've done, or a lot of the times we've done IndyCar stuff, it's been for the IMS races where he's been pretty good. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's just kind of been there all season. He's been very consistent. Uh, he, he comes yeah. uh, out of IMS uh, with the lead uh, with four races left, albeit by nine points. Uh, you know, like, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, he has 10 top fives on the season, his most since 2011 uh, and more than the eight he had during his title That's run impressive. in 2014. That's yeah. Impressive number. Right. Ten top fives out of what? 14 races. Yeah. So. I mean, that's pretty nuts. Um, that's like Scott Dixon like numbers. That's what wins Scott Dixon championships and Will Powers just putting together the same following that recipe. Right. Um, and yeah, like I said, more than his title run in 2014 as well. So that's eight. Uh, he was, you know, the ones that he hasn't been in the top five, 15th at the Indy 500, 
Uh, he was uh, 19th at Road America, and every other race has been top five. So, I mean, it's it's pretty insane. The four remaining tracks, uh, Power has uh, wins at Gateway in Portland. So those are two tracks that Will Power has success at. His highest finish at Laguna Seca was second in 2019. And, I mean, we have a small sample size for Nashville. Literally last year's race, he finished 14th uh in a in a season the guy that he's battling in the point standings won the race that is true um so that may be his only concern um but last season's uh ninth in the point standings was really his only outlier in his career he's always been in the mix finishing the top five in all other seasons since going full-time in 2010 he's been consistent all season so the question is can he remain consistent can he do continue to do well at tracks that he has history of doing well at or will he pan out the same way as our other point leaders have this season? I mean, five of the top seven in, in points have led at some point in this during the season as far as the point standings are concerned. So only four races left. It's only a nine-point lead, though. Uh, so can Will Power, who's been consistent all year now that he has the points lead back? I think he had the points lead after um, – the after the first IMS road course race, because I think Pelot was in the lead at the time, and because he was out relatively early, I think that gave Will Power the lead going into, yeah, the, I think 500. Going into the 500. He had the right. points lead. So, um, you know, now that Will Power has it back, um, we'll, I, I'm interested to see if he can carry that forward. And, and he, hey, a guy we we talked about it last year on the podcast, they all oh, the new the new wave of young guys, and I think the guy that's got the best shot at the title right now is Will Power. Will Power. Uh, <laughs> your arch nemesis yeah yeah you know that is a great question can he hold on to it? especially going into nashville with marcus erickson being the reigning winner of that which race. and i mean you could even say too that marcus erickson's win is a little fluky i mean it's, it's yeah. you know it's so i mean you could say and i mean literally i guess all three of his wins have been fluky but at the right. same time it doesn't matter um, when to win right exactly look i i think Will Power has the recipe correct to maintain this points lead. He's been consistent all year long. He's taken the Scott Dixon route to this points lead right now, and it's a proven success. Um, it will be interesting, though, because, I mean, can Marcus Erickson make it interesting and win this race this weekend in Nashville? I don't know. Honestly, the guy that the, the driver I'm looking at is the biggest threat to Will Power is still Joseph Newgarden. Because one, look, winning in Nashville would mean everything to Joseph Newgarden. He's a Tennessee native. Um, so I think, you know, that would mean everything to him. And that would put, vault him right up there again. Um, but in IndyCar, it is really, it's not as much about the wins as it is consistency to win a championship, as we've seen in the past. And all Will Power just has to do is drive drive his race and just stay that keep that consistent course and don't you know don't force it don't force the issue just drive smart if you you know try to pick up wins obviously that helps more than not but if you can just keep up that level of consistency that you've had all season long there's no reason you shouldn't be the champion at the end of the season yeah, for sure. Any other storylines you could think of, B. Scott, heading out of? I mean, for me, I guess, I don't know. I, I am watching Joseph Newgarden. I guess for me going into this weekend, this is a big weekend for yeah. him. That's my big storyline. Um, because, you know, last year, Penske just kind of seemed off 
all of their cars were off last year. They weren't really competitive very much. I think they figured something out here recently and they've, you know, Joseph Newgarden's, you know, he's been a recent winner as well. Like I said, Nashville would be a, a big one for him. And I, I, I don't know that. And can Alexander Rossi carry any momentum from this past weekend into the remaining four races of the season? Cause I could see him going on a tear as well. And he could play. I don't think he can win the championship, but he could play spoiler for somebody else yeah. as well. That makes perfect sense. I think that would be fun to watch as well. Uh, so that those are some storylines to watch for IndyCar. Uh, we'll switch it over to NASCAR here in just a second. Before we do, let's go ahead, ahead and hear about our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps and your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. So let's go ahead and transition now to the second half of the show. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, NASCAR here. Um, and let's look at the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Um, this was an entertaining race. Oh, yeah. First of all, so much carnage in turn one, as can be expected. Uh, pretty much seems like they couldn't get through that first lap after restarts uh, and at turn, all. Uh, turn four at the end, or going mm -hmm. into turn four, saw some carnage as well. I, that's right where my seats are. We were, we're right there between turns three and four which is also between turns three and four on the oval. But yeah, so that's always fun. Oh, and one of the drivers uh, earlier in the race took a detour, a long detour through the, the sand trap. And he goes up there contending near the end as well. So I thought you were going to say he like made a lap around the actual oval and just came. Oh, uh, one guy almost did the European <laughs> champion from NASCAR. Uh, his car kind of blew up on him and he had to come down uh, into turn four of the oval and he parked it like right in front of us. And this thing was leaking and they had to tow it back to the garage. Um, very similar situation happened a couple of at the Joey Logano. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, Joey Logano. Yeah. But a couple of years ago, Takuma Sato, the same thing happened. His car died on him and he had to go off the access road and was right there. Had to hop out of the car right there in front of us in turn four. So. Always, always a real entertaining part of the track. Yeah. Uh, Chase Briscoe uh, takes the win in stage one. Christopher Bell uh, takes the win in stage two. Stage three, that's when a lot of the magic happened. Uh, Tyler Reddick passes Christopher Bell on the front stretch for the lead. That's lap 50. Lap 61, Kyle Larson, uh, quote, unquote, <laughs> loses his brakes coming into turn one, crashing into Ty Dillon. Which has been apparently been debunked. Yes. And uh, Hendrick Motorsports engineers have come out and said, we have no data proving Kyle Larson's brakes failed on him. We it, it looks like the data shows Kyle Larson came in hot, hit the curb, and went for a ride. Yeah. Uh, pretty Unfortunately, wild. took out Ty Dillon along the way, and Ty Dillon was having a really good race. Right. Kind of a, a little bit of irony that it was the number 42 that he took out as well. That's the car number that he used to yeah. drive as well uh, back in the day. But, yeah, so a very scary incident. 
Uh, glad both drivers are okay. Uh, lap 78, Christopher Bell blows a tire. Debris from that brings out the yellow. Um, lap 81, Austin Dillon spins into the gravel, uh, bringing out the third yellow in 20 laps. Just kind of vintage NASCAR there. A lot of yellows at the end as guys are frantically trying to get to the get to the front. Uh, so that brings us to overtime. Tyler Reddick restarts in the lead, but Ross Chastain opts to use the access road in turn one. He comes away with the lead. Uh, Reddick retakes the lead on in turn 12 and never looks back. Tyler Reddick wins his second career race, both coming this season. He led 38 laps. Ross Chastain was penalized for using the access road. I think he ends up 27th. Uh, Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland, and Bubba Wallace round out the top five. So doing kind of the same thing we did with IndyCar. One word to describe Tyler Reddick's win. Uh, for me, it's resilient. Uh, if he starts P1, let a majority of stage one, opts to pit uh, from the lead prior to the conclusion of stage one, finishes 15th. Same kind of strategy for stage two, pits shortly before the conclusion of the stage, finishes 12th. And this is just to point out that it wasn't like he was starting out the uh, starting out front free of all the turn one carnage uh, every restart. He was back mixing it up. He was putting himself in harm's way every mm-hmm. time he opted to do that strategy. That so strategies were all over the place on Sunday. Yeah. So to, for that to actually like work where he didn't end up, you know, at least damaged somehow along the way, that's pretty crazy. Um, stage three. I mean, you could see the frustration on uh, the faces of Reddick's crew when the bell caution came out. I mean, they were closing uh, in on, uh, the end of their fuel window. Uh, so that was kind of an issue. Um, they, it was they closed then Chase Elliott on him too. And Chase Elliott was on, his car was on it at that right. point. And extra, extra compounded by the Dylan caution when I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it's just because laps on the road course are so long, but I felt like that caution would not end. I felt like well, that, that was, was there so was also a lot to clean up there. With all, I mean, I guess TV did not make it look like it was as bad as it was then because he was the, almost the entire passenger side of Ty Dillon's car was torn off. No, well, in the in the Dillon wreck, when Ty Dillon, Dillon was Ty Dillon, and Austin Kyle Dillon, Austin Dillon, Austin Dillon. Oh, you're talking he, about his brother. You got to be more specific. Than that's this true. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about that. Okay, oh, I'm thinking of another one. I'm thinking Austin Austin Dillon when he spun into the gravel at the end of the race. Yeah, that one, there was more cars involved with it. That's the one that happened right in front of us. Yeah. And he got he got stuck. So you got to right. get him towed out. There's a little bit. And then they came through to make sure that there was no gravel. Because at that at that point, that is a, a it's a it's a accelerating point on the track. When they're going into um, turn four right there on the road course, they do shoot it out wide. And they get into the gas. So where he went off and they got him back on, there would have been a ton of gravel right there. So they wanted to make sure it was cleared off fully because if there was any gravel there, that could have been pretty slippery as those cars are coming in and hitting that accelerator. Because a lot of cars were already locking it up. Saturday and qualifying and practice, they were locking it up. All race, they were locking it up right there. The tires kept smoking. So if you had any extra gravel right there, that was going to cause some mayhem. So that's probably why the the caution was extended in person. It didn't feel that long, um, but I think that's that was the big issue was just making sure the track was completely clear, so there was no. I gotcha. That makes you know, sense. It just seemed like that caution would not end. I don't know if it was because and there was like, there was quite a few cars that were involved in it. It was probably about three or four. I gotcha. I don't got, know. 
piled was, up. You're right. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know if it was just because like I was watching it on TV and I, they were kept going to commercial or maybe it was because I, I was like trying to get the outline done. So I was like, come on, let's get this going. So I can it definitely it. was not like last year when they had the red flag, the race. Right. So yeah. Basically uh, repave everything. Right. So, yeah, that, it was, that it is was pretty quick in comparison. Right. For sure. Um, so that meant there was one final restart. Uh, Reddick uh, is passed by Chastain, who uses the access road. Uh, so even <laughs> though Chastain could have been penalized, Reddick still has to race just as if he's not penalized. It's just kind of like last year with the whole Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin situation. Um, so, uh, you know, in, but anyway, I mean, Reddick ends up taking the lead. So, you know, there were a lot of obstacles in Tyler Reddick's way. Um, that he had to overcome and route to the win. Uh, but at the end of the day, he gets it done. It was a heck of a race by Reddick, a good win for him. He's got a ton of momentum. Didn't realize, I, I guess, as someone who doesn't follow NASCAR as close anymore, I don't know how frequent it is that you sign with a team like 18 months down the road, like he did leaving RCR. Uh, so that's interesting. I know that I think that was news a couple of weeks ago, but I guess I had either forgotten about it or just wasn't thinking about it. I was like, man, that's 18 months from now. So He's got a lot of momentum uh, after a good month of July. Uh, so a good win by him, but yeah, resilient. He was putting himself in harm's way. He had all sorts of obstacles, but was able to overcome it and get that win at Indy. My word to describe the race in general, entertaining. I mean, different strategies were playing out. You had lots of passing. Yeah. When somebody got out into the lead, they could pull away, but I mean, that happens just about anywhere, but still people were, there was drivers able to reel them in and you saw lead changes because of the different strategies, because of all the different restarts. <clears throat> it was, it was good racing. Unfortunately, the guys that don't drive very well on the road course that dominate on the oval feel very much, very differently. Uh, <clears throat> Diddy Hamlin and Kevin Harvick um, wanted to boohoo about how unfair it is that we're not utilizing such a beautiful oval well i can kind of agree with that but at the same time the act the product on the track is a lot better than what it has been when you guys would run away with it from start to finish so yeah sorry um but there was some news on that later on that was announced over the weekend as well plus other really good news. lots of great news coming out of the track this weekend folks like lots of great news um, but yeah, the race was very entertaining. Unfortunately, my pick and my, one of my favorite drivers, you know, I was up there in second place and got spun by his best friend. Um, yeah, looking at you, Ryan Blaney, spinning out Chase Elliott. Um, but entertaining race, as always. I, I think the road course was is a great move for these guys because it has, I mean, these these new cars are really good on the road course. I would like to see what these cars look like on the oval though, because it, you know, some of these other races have become more entertaining as well because of these new cars where, you know, in the past, like Kansas hasn't always been the most entertaining. And a lot of Kansas hate the last two weeks. <laughs> it's pretty. Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, entertaining race. Um, great run for Tyler Reddick. I mean, he, he was strong this weekend so good for him um yeah i'll get into my driver once you tell me who your uh your outstanding performance was yeah my standout performance was aj allmendinger uh you know uh, his cool suit wasn't working uh yeah he had a fantastic weekend his cool suit wasn't working he didn't have water at the end of the race i mean he doesn't race for points 
He doesn't run a full schedule. He won last year's race. He won the Xfinity race the day before. He had every excuse to be like, guys, I'm dying. And he here. got off course. Right. He got and off. He, well, he ended up he ended up in that wreck with Austin Dillon. He had every he had every excuse to be like, guys, I'm I'm phoning this one in. Uh, it, it's it was yeah, a good run. I'm done. We're calling yeah. it a day. Yeah. Uh, but yet he still. Get, I mean, and I know that these guys are athletes and they don't have that mentality sometimes. But I I think it's easier to make that call when you don't you're not in a points race or anything like that. Instead, stands in there, drives her home, uh, ends up finishing seventh. Um, you know, he continued to race hard. So the fact that, you know, he gets out of the car and collapses similar to kind of what you saw, uh, I think it was 1998 with Ricky Rudd. I'm sure there's more recent examples, but that's the one that pops into my head where Ricky Rudd winning at Martinsville, uh, in 1998, uh, when his same kind of similar issue happened. So, I mean, to be able to kind of brave the, brave the elements a little bit, brave, you know, all the things that just weren't working out for him and, and getting, getting a top 10 finish out of it pretty uh, good race by Almondinger. I, I, I can tell you why he put up with that. It, it, so he summed it up in his uh, victory interview on Saturday. And he just let out a in woo Indy baby. He loves Indy. I mean, he's raced in the Indy 500 for goodness sakes. Come yeah. on. The guy loves racing at Indy. Um, I think he's going to try to take, he takes every opportunity he can. Um, I'd love to see him back in an Indy car again. I think that'd be fun, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, for me, my standout was Todd Gilliland. I mean, all weekend, he just kind of had a quiet weekend, just right up there, qualified well, ran well all day. It's like, holy moly, is Todd Gilliland still up there? Like, okay, we see you, Todd. Here we go. Let's have a good race. You know, he kept the car clean. He just was ran it consistent and, I was a, it was a good it was a good unassuming run for him um, that I don't think too many people talk about. Not you know, and William Byron had himself quite a run too before getting caught up in some carnage. But I mean, he was on a, a pay he was on a strat a two stop strategy. He didn't take his first pit stop until the end of stage two, which wasn't very long. It was like thirty seven laps. But still, his tires were screaming. Um, and he, he saved fuel really well. I think him and Christopher Bell were on the same strategy. But, I mean, he had a, a great run until he got caught up in some stuff. Same thing with Chase Elliott. Battled back from his strategy that kept putting him back at the end of, at back of the pack. He was up there uh, contending for the win before he got spun out. And he actually spun it a, uh, in turn one earlier in the race and set by himself. So... <clears throat> so battle back from that, but definitely Todd Gillen. He just kind of had an unassuming day, but he was always there. Um, sometimes with these, these types of races of attrition and where, you know, things get kind of messy. Those are the drivers that you, you don't talk about. You don't think about and see, but then they put up, like you look at the, the final results and you're like, huh, that's right. He was up there all day. Good for him. So <laughs> Kind of give him some props there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, is he? He he's is. I can't remember. We covered this, or I at least I know I looked this up when during the uh, Daytona 500. Is he related to David Gilliland, who is in yes. the? Okay, that's yep. why I thought. That's his, I think it's his dad. I gotcha. That's why I thought. There's a so, lot of sons. Because that well, right? And I remember during the Daytona 500, I was like, I I confused the two. I confused David for 
or Todd for David. Oh, I, that happened and I was like, I mean, they're so like it, not too far apart. Cause that was a weird run. Cause like for a while, the M&M's car like was pretty iconic. You had like, you know, Elliot Sadler in there, that kind of, you know, and then all this Ernie Irvin was in there for a time. And then, yeah, it was, it ended up being like David Gilliland for a while. And you're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. So I, like when I heard Gilliland, I was like, he's still around. Like I remember co- covering, you know, him during the race week and rewind days at ball state. So, um, I mean, yeah, I was, I was like, wait. And so I had to look that up and be like, oh yeah, it's the son. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, so, um, but I think we can agree. I mean, you know, we talked about it a little bit off uh, air and on the podcast, like race, race number two and the races combined at, um, at, you know, for NASCAR at the, on the road course, I think are, are very successful. I mean, I think, this is a, a, a much better alternative to the product we had, you know, when it was on the oval. I mean, of course, like you mentioned, maybe with the newer cars, you could try it on the oval uh, and see how it, how it goes and maybe get some tests in, see if the racing is any better. Or maybe I don't, I don't know how you would do that in terms of seeing. Well, good news for you. Okay. Roger Penske did announce over the weekend that yes, they are returning to the road course. In 2023, however, in 2024, they are going back to the Oval, and I believe he also said 2025 as well. Beyond 2025, they will are going to look at alternating every other year of it being a road course race or an Oval race. Honestly, be based on the other announcement from over the weekend at IMS where IMSA announced they are returning and they're going to be allowing camping in the infield for fans and gradually building up to a long endurance race. My guess would be at some point there is going to be lights on the road course for a 24-hour endurance race with IMSA. I wouldn't be surprised to see NASCAR on the road course at night. Now, is there going to be lights on the oval? I I don't know. I, I I mean, if there would be, that'd be a great move as well but i would like to see the nascar like the verizon 200 wherever it is in the future on the road course at night i think that'd be really a really cool setup and something that nas like fans would be really drawn to but that's uh, you know that's neither here nor there i think that could be setting up for some options at least with indycar but yes they are going to bring back the oval and they are going to try to keep the road course as well Honestly, if both go well, I wouldn't mind seeing NASCAR come here twice. Once for the road course and once for the oval. You know, we got enough prestige here that if you want to come to someplace twice and get two different scenarios, this is it. This is a great opportunity for that. I mean, you were going to Daytona three times and it, it, were, it was great. I wish they would still do the Daytona road course, but you know, you go to Charlotte twice, you go to Charlotte more than twice. I think, I think you're there three times. Uh, Cause you do the Roval. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I get, well, no, do you do the Roval instead of the, the fall race. Oh yeah. So maybe Probably, they are yeah. there twice. See, it works for Charlotte. Yeah. So why not try that same scenario here in Indy as well? I think that could be a, an option in the future. But yes, they have announced that they are going, they're going to do both um, alternating years, but I could see it if it, if it's a success on both, I could see Roger Penske trying to push for 
being on the on the calendar twice um but yeah it's i i'm I'm okay with it going back to seeing what the oval has with these cars um of course by the time they get there who knows if denny hamlin and kevin harvick will even be racing still but yeah i mean i it's tough because i don't like I, i the alternating thing is kind of weird i mean i guess they do that fine it's i don't think it's gonna do any like i don't think it's gonna do any necessarily like any harm but i'd almost rather see them do the same like go to indy twice in the same season like mm-hmm. maybe like I can, i'd rather honestly, I, I think that's what roger pinsky's setting right but i mean i'd rather see them do it initially as opposed to alternating every year because okay so you start alternating it what if that first race um back on you know on the oval is still a dud well then that's well, that's why waste. they're doing it they're going to do it two years in a row on the oval before starting to go alternating but see i don't even i even that i don't like i i'd rather them do road course and I, i'd rather them do road course and oval in the same season and compare the two i mean i know i know it, i know the nascar schedule isn't there <laughs> just to appease indianapolis and figure out what we want to do but at the same time i think from from a fan perspective, I would rather <coughs> not have like two, like if the road course is doing really well, like, okay, so that'll be four years of the road course. If it's done really well and fans are really invested and excited about it again, then I don't want the snooze fest. If the snooze fest 400 is going to come back for, you know, for two years, I mean, does that then, if the racing is still bad, does that get people disinterested in the road course? Cause like, well, they're just going to, they're just going to, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just throwing out I don't out think so. I think it would probably get people more interested in the road course, and then they can say, look, the racing still sucks on the oval. These cars aren't built for this oval anymore. We're sticking with the road course, and then we can look at other options with it, like maybe we put it at night, you know, those types of different things. But I am okay with them going doing two years of the oval to see – you know, give it, give it its fair shake again. Um, but if, and what, I mean, if the racing's really good, then I think Roger Penske has, as a, and then has a, has a case on his hands. Like, Hey, look, you put on, we put on a good show here for the road course. We put on a good show here for the oval. Let's bump off one of these tracks. That's not bringing people in Kansas, you know, more Kansas. Hey, more Kansas. Let's, get, you know, <laughs> let's look at bringing them here twice. Mm-hmm. So you have something different and you also have the prestige, but it's still Indianapolis. It's the racing capital of the world. Yeah. It's not the NASCAR racing capital of the, the country, but it's still, it's, it's Indianapolis. It has meaning to everybody. So if you can get them here twice, guess what? the fans are going to show up regardless, but if it's bad, if the racing isn't good on the oval, I can see them ditching the oval altogether and saying, look, we're just going to stick with the road course. Yeah. You know, forget alternating years. We, you know, this is a business we got to run and it. We have to, we're, we're entertainment. We are still entertainment regardless. And if we can't put on a good show on the oval, it's done. And we're sticking with the road course where it's entertaining. People, people like it. It's a good, it's a good race. Yeah. The drivers may not like it, but guess what? You still got to race it. And you guys all put on a good race. You guys race each other hard. 
It's like right now, it's the two people that are crying the most about it are the ones that aren't competing very well on a aren't really good road course racers, and used to dominate on the oval. They would run away and not have to worry about anybody. So I, I don't want to hear that moaning and crying when, you know, it's pretty obvious why you are saying that. Now, yeah, I would like to see what can be what these new cars, this next gen car looks like on the oval, because we have seen it make other races like Michigan, uh, you know, more entertaining as well. It's, you know, it tightens the pack up a little bit more. So I'm okay with, with testing it out. If it works, let Roger Penske work his magic and get them here twice. If it doesn't work, just stick with the road course. We know that works. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, now I'm interested to see when you would have that second or like the, like, would you dare put that second NASCAR date anywhere near the month of May, like June, no. like the first weekend October. in June or October. Yeah. I could see October early um, October. I mean, but then you run the issue of potentially the weather, unless you put the road course in, in October. Yeah, but remember, remember when the USGP used to be in September and you would have like every other year be crappy weather. Yeah, I mean, we're if IMSA's taking September, that's going to be a a tough one. I mean, maybe you come in June for the road course or the oval, you know, late June or mid June, and then come back in July for the, the next race. Yeah. Or if it's a really if it's good enough racing, look at putting it in the playoffs. I mean, I, I that's that's a push, that's a huge stretch. So I think like a June and July, or heck, although I mean April, I don't know, I don't know what races are in the. I know some of them. I know Talladega is in the in. I know the some drivers playoffs. would love to lose Talladega in the playoffs. <laughs> that that I mean that's true, but I was like, that's such a. It would group. be it would be really cool though if you could get like some of the more prestigious tracks in the playoff. Like if you're like, yeah. okay, we're going to go to, cause they, well, they tried go, that they with do. Indy for one year. We were the last track before the playoff started. We were the cutoff for yeah. guys to make the playoffs. That was like their last ditch effort on the oval. And the weather was pretty good. I remember that was the one I was at. Kevin Harvick drove away with it. Um, the weather was pretty good for that one. I think that was in September. Mm. So, I, I mean, do, you could, if you, I mean, you honestly, if you, you could bring IMSA in for the road course in September, and then a, a week or two later, you could bring NASCAR in for a race on the oval. I mean, you're able to switch that track over, over a course of a few days. There's no reason you can't over a couple weeks, get things ready. Yeah, I'm just saying it would be cool in general to just have uh, a race like like I don't I'm you know they already moved Daytona off July 4th so like maybe switch yeah. out the second Talladega race put the second Daytona race in there put you know have you all you have your most iconic tracks in the in the postseason I would much rather have that uh, than I don't know I mean I know they go on the Roval like I said but I know is, there's some other tracks really but... one of the most iconic tracks for NASCAR I mean. I would say it's up there. I don't know. Outside of the state of Indiana for racing, does everybody else view IMS as one of the most iconic tracks 
for NASCAR. I mean, I think so. it's still, it's still, I mean, you see the drivers, I mean, it still means something for them to win oh, yeah. at Indy, but yeah. I, so I, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it was um, always a big deal for the driver or if a driver won both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400. Right. So, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, it's a good debate and it's a good thing to think about. I wouldn't push if you're going to push for Indy being on the schedule twice, potentially, mm-hmm. I wouldn't push it to try to get it into the playoffs. But first things first, if yeah. the oval works, let's push for twice on the schedule. And then if that really performs well long-term, then baby push for a spot in the playoffs. Who knows? I But I can tell you that having Doug Bowles and Roger Penske at the helm of that ship, there is no possible, there is endless possibilities with them. See, because, okay, so I got the playoffs uh, schedule pulled up. Round of 16, as it stands right now, is Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. Then round Get of 12. Of right, I thought I knew oh you were going to say gosh, that. Oh, Kansas. Kansas. Drop them out of there. Uh, round of 12 is Texas, Talladega, Charlotte, Roval. And then round of, or, uh, round of eight, Las Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville, and then the championship race is Phoenix. I mean, when I so look how at... Many, okay, four, how many road course races were on there? Only one. Just the, the one, the Roval, yeah. Why not have two? Yeah. Why not what, dump well, I mean, Kansas? brought up last week. Without yeah, having but, another road course, put the IMS road course in place of Kansas. Yeah, and then do the oval, do the Brickyard 400. In you know last weekend of July. Yeah, take it take away Gateways race, bro. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Kansas has two races. Take them both away. <laughs> just um, pull on. I I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just I'm just joking. Um, because you need but, that. But TV like. Market. But like, why do we, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I guess I don't pay in, enough attention to really weigh in completely, but like, can we get rid of, like, we don't need two races at Phoenix. We don't need two races at Las Vegas. Oh, Phoenix is entertaining though. They reconfigured really? that track and it's a good race. That is true. Uh, I do like, really it's race. really weird how they reconfigured it. It always confuses me when I watch it. But yeah, when but I, when I, like, my buddy has, he's actually been out there for one of the Phoenix races, but even, uh, I think it was after they reconfigured, he said, it's, it's a great track. Hmm. Like, he even said that would be the one I would I would want IndyCar. And I mean, you already have, yeah, you already have iconic tracks in the playoff as it stands. I mean, Darlington, that's iconic for NASCAR. Bristol, that's iconic for NASCAR. Martinsville, uh, Tech, Martinsville that's iconic. Uh, Talladega, even if they hate it, that's iconic. Charlotte, that's like I don't think home. they hate it, but I think they would. It would be a sigh of relief right. to not have Talladega on the, in the playoffs, especially but, being a cutoff race. But like Homestead is like, for instance, Homestead's on there. Homestead's only iconic because for the longest time it was the last race of the year. And it was like kind of the end point. I think now that it's not, you're just kind of like meh on that. Heck, I could see them if they're trying to do more street races, doing the street Formula One race at Miami rather than Homestead. Um, Formula One, I didn't really like that one. Really? I didn't. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not a big fan of, of two Las Vegas races. Uh, I don't, I mean, Las, Las Vegas is iconic, but I wouldn't say more iconic than Indy in terms of NASCAR terms. Um, I think, yeah, but rather Las Vegas is better suited for those cars, anyways. Mm-hmm. So keep so, it. So, yeah, you, you definitely, because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Las Vegas brings in the people still, right? You know. I'm just, I was looking at terms of like iconic tracks, like in NASCAR. Yeah. Um, so like you already kind of have that vibe anyway. So it'd be cool to add uh, Indy to that, to that well, mix. That's why you dunk Kansas in the playoffs. <laughs> so, much can- so much Problem Kansas. Solved. <laughs> so much Kansas. 
problem solved. Why do we have two races of Kansas? Come on. All right, moving on to okay, uh, hey at Bob Pockrass. Why do we have two races at Kansas? Can we like, get rid? Can of you Kansas? explain the logic behind that one? Yes. Like, oh man. I mean, yeah, I, I, yes, I what else is out there to replace it with right now? Well, let's see if the oval here in Indy works out. If it works out, bye bye yeah. Kansas. Hello, second race in Indy. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess it's also a shameless plug for me because I'm like, look, another race at Indy is a great because it's another weekend out of the track, and I love going out to the track. I mean, look, I mean, I was just out there all weekend this this past weekend, and I'm going again this Thursday night for the <laughs> dirt track race in Turn Three. I just love being out there. So any opportunity, and I think that's the thing. That's what's great about. Roger Penske and Doug Bowles being at the helm of that operation over there is, you know, obviously Roger Penske owns it and Doug Bowles is the president, but it, you know, both of them want people there more. They want more events there. They, they want it to be a, a, a place where people come to again. I'm all for it. So if the, like I keep saying, if the oval works out, let's get them on the schedule twice. Yeah. For sure. Even if it means hey, if you want to keep Kansas in the playoffs and put us in a, a place of Kansas in the regular <laughs> season, that's fine. I don't care. Just get us on the schedule twice if it if it works. If the oval works, that's yeah. the big if. I'm not gonna push it if if it's a if it's a dud of a couple races, but if it works and it's <laughs> it's an entertaining race. Then yes, if throw it's out not Kansas, you have nothing to worry about. Throw out the last ten minutes of what we said if the race still stinks on the oval. Uh, <laughs> um, so looking at the point standings coming away from IMS, uh, Chase Elliott is still the leader. Ryan Blaney sits 125 points back in second. Ross Chastain just four points behind Blaney in third. Uh, fourth is Martin Truex Jr. Uh, he's behind by 150 points and rounding out the top five is Kyle Larson back by 154 points uh, behind his teammate Elliot. So looking at the playoff standings, which I didn't realize there were two point standings uh, for NASCAR, but you've got Elliot season champ and a yes, playoff. Uh, you've got, uh, you've got Elliot Chastain, Joey Logano, William Byron and Ryan Br- Blaney are the top five. So storyline to watch uh, for me coming out of Indy. And it's kind of similar to the one you had for IndyCar in, in terms of like seeing if like just Newgarden would pan out and that, that kind of thing. And that's just, I'm interested to see how uh, some of these drivers uh, pan out as far as, you know, emerging uh, for playoff contention. I mean, you've and, and playoff drivers, um, you know, some dark horses for that, uh, for a run at the playoffs. Uh, you know, first of all, starting off with Tyler Reddick. I mean, he is hot in the streets right now. He's won two races in July. He inked a new deal with 2311 racing starting in 2024. He's 11th in points right now. And there's one more road course in the regular season. That's at Watkins Glen. I'm sure Reddick will be in the, you know, in the mix there, uh, to try to make it three in a row on the season. So he's going to be a driver to watch Austin Sindrick. I mean, he had a good run. Um, he's your Daytona 500 winner, uh, through June 2nd. Uh, he had only one top 10, uh, outside of that Daytona win since June 12th. He has three top fives, five top tens, and he was second at Indy this weekend. He's getting hot at the right time. I mean, we had talked about the emergence of track house racing last week. Christopher Bell was putting together a solid month before his tire issues. Um, I don't know if any of the drivers that I just went through can really contend with Chase Elliott. I mean, that'll, that'll remain to be seen. Um, but you know, or Hendrick in general, Hendrick. you know, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, before this weekend, uh, you know, Elliot had won or finished second at each of the last five races, but 
Uh, Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex are both winless this season. Kyle Larson has just one win. Some of the names um, are on the outside looking in still. Right. Yeah, he is. He's like 16th or 17th, I think. All it takes is two more new, two more first time, full time, first time winners that are full time drivers. Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex and, and Ryan Blaney, they're out. Right. They're out. I mean, Ryan Blaney, the fact that he's sitting up there in the regular season standings is great. But when push comes to shove, got to win a race. Got to yeah. win a race. Yeah. Um, and so, like, some of those names that we're used to being in the hunt and having, you know, and having visions as being up there early in the season – uh, they've they've they haven't had the seasons we've kind of thought they would, and that's left the door open for some of these drivers that I mentioned that haven't really been in the mix legitimately before uh, to actually be uh, in the mix. So I'm interested to see what the rest of the season holds for Reddick, Cindric, and Trackhouse and the Trackhouse drivers. I think they're going to make it. Like I said, I don't. I it's going to be tough to beat the Hendrick drivers, especially Elliott. But I think those are some drivers that can be in the mix and kind of change up what we're used to have seen we're used to seeing out of the playoffs. Cause even last year, I mean, it was what Larson, it was Truex, it was Logano. It was guys where we've, uh, Hey, heck it's guys that I've, you know, talked about in NASCAR since, you know, you know, 10 years ago. So, I mean, these are some newer guys that are kind of, you know, maybe not necessarily newer, but newer as far as being in the mix, they have a chance to kind of shake up the playoff picture a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if Chase Elliott can keep up his consistency as well. Similar to Will Power. Look, yeah, Chase Elliott finished 17th on – yeah, he finished – I think it was 17th or 16th on uh, Sunday. But he racked up stage points yet again. I mean, he was – he worked his way back up. At the end of each stage, he was right there. I think one, stage one he finished eighth, and stage two he finished fifth. So that that's why he is, you know – he's got such a, a lead going for the playoffs because he, he, he knows how to play the game and, and it's, it's working out well for him right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he can keep up with that consistency. Um, Cause I think he was a little frustrated after this weekend, obviously I would be too, but um, if he can keep up the consistency he's had, there's nobody can touch him in the in this in the points obviously and now it's a little different though because it's not about being consistent once you get to the playoffs it's about winning races once you get to the playoffs so it's all but he's he's done that this year as well he's proven he can do that just about on any kind of on any style of track except restrictor plate but <coughs> restrictor plates are such a crap they're, shoot yeah, they're, a co- they're a coin flip so yeah so um, but for me also, I want to, I, I I'm right there with you. Can, who can step up and challenge him? Um, are we going to, another thing, are we going to see two more first time winners and see some of these vets be left on the outside looking in that are normal contenders? Um, is this an ending of an era for some of these vets as well? I mean, Kevin Harvick just has not looked good at all this year and it's not like he's got bad cars. Um, or bad equipment. He's got good equipment. So that's, that's a, that's a storyline to follow there the rest of the way. I, I, you know, I, it's, are we fine? Are we really now officially seeing the full changing of the guard um, in NASCAR? I mean, we have seen it the past two years with Chase Elliott winning a championship and Kyle Larson winning a championship. They're younger drivers. 
I mean, yeah, they've been, it feels like they've been around forever, but they are still younger drivers. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how these next few months unfold for some of these older drivers and with these younger drivers and how they at all meshes together and how it plays out for the future. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of racing left. Uh, I mean, heck, there's it's, like it's still my pick to win the championship. Though. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got four races left in the regular season. I didn't realize that uh, Daytona is actually the last race of the regular season. So that's kind of crazy. Ooh, uh, and then, yeah, they'll get into the playoffs and it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. I, I, I There are some interesting drivers that are up there, some drivers we're not used to seeing. Uh, which I think will be, you know, which will be crazy. I didn't realize Kevin Harvick had had such a crazy season until we were, you know, looking at it the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he, he can crack in there as well, but should be a fun uh, rest of the way for both series, both IndyCar and NASCAR. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch regardless, a lot of good racing on the horizon. But for right now, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Uh, remember that you can follow us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go uh, follow us on Twitter as well, 3C Media Sports. Go check out the YouTube channel. Um, we've got a lot of great content over there, some standalone videos and things like that. So go over and check that out. You guys have been killing it as far as the support. So we appreciate yeah. that. Make sure Shout you out to the Scott Dixon fans that tune in constantly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, make sure you ring that bell, uh, like, and subscribe three C media on TikTok as well. Uh, and remember you can, uh, listen or watch every week, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the crash course podcast. You can find me at th- uh, Craig crash fm on twitter b scott where can they find you find me on twitter at brandon underscore scott 87 well next week we're going to be back to the football conversation our high school football preview it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into that we're going to be breaking down all six classes so it's going to be a lot of fun but until then have a good one everybody